21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast series. <clears throat> I'm throwing a, a little curveball out and uh, letting everybody know that uh, I'm just trying out something new. And uh, this is not going to be on my own, but it's going to be with my co-host, my good friend and wife, Neela Steele. Uh, Neela and I, uh, oftentimes at the end of the day, we will have little discussions about things that happen during the day. So I'll talk about the work that I've been doing. Neela will talk about uh, what happened at school that day, or we'll both share um, articles or things that we came across on Twitter, uh, TED Talks, whatever it is. That idea is just a general sharing at the end of the day, and it's one of our favorite parts of the day. And we realize sometimes that we are actually sharing some really insightful stuff that we've come across. And rather than having these little mini discussions at the end of the day, um, we, we realize that we actually are not documenting this information for our own purposes. So this podcast is going to be mindful, is going to be called Mindfulness Times Four, because what it is, is a podcast devoted to sharing two things each from the previous week that has impacted us. And it's a way for us to document it and to to be able to go back and listen to it um, if we need to, but it's it's for selfish reasons, it's, it's gonna be documenting our ideas, um, but also we feel that um, we'd like to share them with you. So if you're an educator or outside of education, doesn't matter, but if you're into mindfulness or want to know more about mindfulness, we hope that you get some value from, from the sharing that will take place in this weekly uh, podcast. So that's the, the big idea is that we're going to share uh, two things each. And um, we really hope that uh, people find value in it. But at the, the minimum, we know that going through the process of reflecting on things that, that have value to us at the end of each week is really important for us. So, um, Without further ado, I want to introduce my co-host, Neela Steele. Neela will say just a couple things about herself, and then uh, we'll move forward with the rest of the podcast. Neela Steele. I am Andy Vasley's wife of 17 years, my first husband, hopefully my only husband. Um, I am a mother to our two boys, a wife, a daughter, a sister, I'm a yoga instructor, slash educator, slash former nurse, and uh, a big practitioner and enthusiastic practitioner of mindfulness. So that's just a, a little bit about me. Okay, thanks for that introduction, Neela. And myself, um, for those listening, you know, um, you know, kind of what I do. I've done some consulting the past year. I've been an international teacher for almost two decades now. Um, I'm a blogger, um, really into mindfulness as well on a different level than Neela, um, but I'm learning a lot from her and I'm becoming very passionate about mindfulness myself. 
So uh, that's Neil and I. Now to move into the episode, um, as I mentioned, we're going to share two things each. So Neela is going to begin with with a beautiful, uh, heartwarming story about mindfulness that really impacted us both, um, especially me when you you shared that story. Mm-hmm. So why don't you share the story? So I just want to credit the story. We listened to Tim Ferriss, which is one of our favorite podcasts. I think he's been described as the uh, the Oprah of podcasts. So. If you're interested, Tim Ferriss is somebody I would definitely look up. So the story is uh, was told by Tara Brock, another great mindfulness instructor. She's a meditation and mindfulness instructor. So the story takes place in the United States, and there is an American commanding sergeant who has been ordered to take a anger management course. And the course is very much rooted in mindfulness. So on his way home, he stops off at the grocery store and he needs to pick up a few items to prepare for the next day. And when he cashes out, there's a woman, an elderly woman in front of him, in line with only three items in her cart, and she has a baby in her arms. So as he's standing there waiting, he starts to question, why is she in front of me with only three items? Why isn't she checking out at the express lane, which happens to be open? And not only that, she's now handing the baby over to the cashier. So he starts to become aware of all of his triggers, the instant anger, the impatience, the feeling that he's going to be late and unprepared, and then he pauses, and he takes a breath. And the breath is always part of mindfulness so that it can just tether you to the moment, perhaps creating a little bit of space. And in this space, he actually takes a closer look at the baby, and he says to them himself, that baby's cute. And it sort of calms him down, and he takes another breath, And he just touches base and acknowledges his instant knee-jerk reaction, anger. And he gets to a calmer place, and the elderly woman and the baby are gone now. And it's his turn to cash out. And he says to the cashier, You know, that baby was adorable. And she beams... And she says, uh, actually, that's my little girl. Uh, My husband was killed in Afghanistan last year, and my mom brings her by twice a day, so I can have a little extra time with her. And when I first heard that story, I immediately welled up. I was thinking back to so many other times and experiences in my life where where I too had responded with all my default habits of impatience and instant anger. And I tell and share this story because if we don't pause or create a sacred pause where we can take a breath 
then we will just continue to live out the patterns that we've been living our whole lives. And I really believe that mindfulness, it allows you to step out of the reactivity, the habitual patterns that you are not aware of. But when you start to become aware of them, you can slowly change your reaction because in that sacred space, a breath or two, you can then take a moment to respond instead of react. And I've been practicing it and practicing it and it is a practice and you still um, have moments where you go back to the sort of old or young self And really in this space, you can really learn to grow and evolve. And that's where I was so inspired to hear that story. And that story has definitely made me reflect more on where in my day can I be a response that has been chosen by me and not a reaction that has just instantly come into play and then I'll and then I will instantly regret that reaction I love that story and when I when I you first told me that story I didn't know where you were going with it and then it was the punchline and I was like oh my god you know so is that you just don't expect that ending you know so here's a person who who obviously has anger management issues and and as you say, just reacts, this knee-jerk reaction, which so many of us do on a daily basis. We react emotionally to things. We react physically to things. Um, and what mindfulness really does allow you to do is to take that deep breath, to remove the emotion slightly for that one second where you're just calming yourself down, anchoring yourself with the breath, and then moving forward. So for this sergeant, he was allowed to anchor himself with the breath and to really calm himself down. And I think back, I remember um, one of the best coaches in football that I had. And when things get heated up playing football, especially in practice, you're practicing every day together for four months with the same group of guys. Tempers flare, there are fights, uh, there's cheap shots, there's insults that are slung around. And I remember being in a situation myself where I received a dirty hit in practice and I was going to physically like charge after the guy. And the coach was like, walk away, walk away and think, walk away and think. And that's what he always said, those words. And even though he might have not known that he was he was practicing mindfulness, mindfulness is just that reminder to walk away and take a breath and to calm yourself down, you know, so um yeah, that's that's a really powerful story. And I, I think returning to the breath, it sounds so simple, but there are times when taking a breath just feels intolerable. When something's going on out of your control and you're trying to you're trying to delve into what's going on and you can't always remove the emotion because the the emotion is at the heart of what is making you react so it's 
as simple as it is taking a breath, being aware that you are breathing, acknowledging that you are angry or irritated, agitated, or feeling immense joy and happiness at that moment, really connecting with it because that, that moment is so fleeting. And that's where I think mindfulness really is key in getting to know yourself. What some people might say is that sometimes you don't have time to take a breath. If the saber-toothed tiger is jumping out of the, the forest at you and chasing you, you don't have time to breathe. You right. have to react. Yeah, well, of course. Right. If there are certain situations, if your child or toddler is about to put their hand on an open fire or a candle, of course you're going to react at that moment. And that is for protection. So you can't, it's not always, let's talk in a nice, calm voice, um... It, it's really getting to know yourself. It doesn't always have to be, um, I mean, I guess I'm just saying again, the practice. And recently reading, um, I'm not sure where I read it, but I really liked this as well, is that when you elongate or extend your exhalation, so you would breathe in for five and then you'd exhale for 10. You can create your own count, but just simply lengthening your exhalation, you're actually tapping into your parasympathetic nervous system. And that is the rest and digest nervous system. You're sort of befriending the moment compared to the sympathetic nervous system, which is where you're, you're relating to the saber toothed tiger, where it's freeze, fight, um, flee. So, just by reading that article, I really try throughout the day to take a moment with something that I do on a daily basis and remind myself, oh, just take two to three breaths and elongate the exhalation. So that's, that's good advice. Um, that's good advice to to wrap up the um, the first part of the sharing. Yes. And now, Andy Vasley. What would you like to share? Well, um, I was uh, listening to, uh, again, my favorite podcast in the history of the universe, the TED Radio Hour. And uh, this one episode was all about tolerance. I, it was called Beyond Tolerance. Um, That's a TED Talk radio? Yes, TED yes. Talk radio. Host Guy Raz. Um if you are an educator, it doesn't matter what you do. I believe that if you have an open mind, you can learn something from every single episode. But in Beyond Tolerance, it's all about that idea of tolerance and to what extent we tolerate others and we tolerate others' behaviors mm. and strategies and ideas that we can put into practice to um, to better embrace tolerance. So there was... Uh, a well-known uh, consultant that gave a TED Talk. Her name is Verna uh, Myers, and she is an expert in uh, uncovering biases. Mm -hmm. So she goes to organizations, firms, you know, big companies, and she does training with all the employees, including senior management, and she forces them through her... her um, approaches and the frameworks that she uses and the activities that she does, she has people uh, uncover their own biases. 
And this is all in an effort to, to create a more harmonious workplace and a sense of togetherness and to increase the levels of tolerance that we show for one another. So in this TED Talk, she's, she's talking about how she goes to some companies and she gets there and people greet her with a big smile and a warm handshake um, and a hug. And they say, oh, we're so happy that you came here today. Um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to, that you're that you're bringing to us. Um, and even though they don't say it to her, she knows that they are subconsciously implying that even though this is a beautiful thing, we don't have any biases ourselves. We're an open-minded group of people. We're very flexible. We're tolerant. And she calls bullshit on it straight away. And she does so by sharing her own story. Now, this is a woman, Verna Myers. She's an expert in uncovering biases, special racial biases. Um, but she has a wealth of knowledge and research that she brings to her practice. So she immediately shares her own story. And this just happened a few years ago. So she is on a plane that's getting ready to take off. And she's flying someplace in the world to to present and, and work with whoever it was that she was working with. And she they're on the runway. And then the head pilot gets on and makes an announcement. And the head pilot is a woman. And Verna Myers is thinking to herself, yes, woman power. She's so, uh, she's feeling inspired because the head pilot is a woman responsible for all of the passengers on board and the crew members. So she's just feeling this sense of satisfaction that a woman is in such a position that this head pilot is in. So the flight takes off and a couple hours into the flight, they experience the worst turbulence that she's ever experienced, massive turbulence. And she suddenly gets a bit scared and her default setting was to think to herself, oh my God, I hope this woman knows how to drive the plane. And that's how she explained it um, and described it. She used the word drive the plane. But she realized almost in that instant, it was it was almost horrifying in a way because here, here she is, this expert on uncovering, uh, uncovering biases that people hold when she herself held this unjust bias about the ability of this woman to fly a plane in very severe conditions. Despite the fact that the woman had thousands of hours of air, you know, training mm -hmm. and she had done everything she needed to, to do to be in that position, it, she realized that it was a bias that she had held and it was an unjust one. Um, so that was a big moment for, for her to really uh, confront biases that she held within herself at a subconscious level. So I began to think about as teachers... Um, we all hold certain biases and those biases that we hold can be very harmful to ourselves and to student learning. So I wrote a blog post about it this week, just a reflection on my thoughts, but really the importance that uh, mindfulness, getting yourself into a reflective state and really taking the time to, to create this quiet space and reflect may help to uncover certain biases that, that we hold as educators. So that really struck a chord with me. I, I want to add on to that because um, John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness is 
being in the present moment with a particular awareness. And he says you have to be, or you practice being in the moment non-judgmentally. And I think non-judging is the hardest part because we virtually have thoughts and opinions and judgments and biases on everything we see and think. So being aware that, uh, for example, as an educator, you might have a student come in of a certain nationality and you might clump that one individual student in with the other nationalities, immediately stereotyping, immediately thinking back to your previous experiences, and just already clumping that child in with the the massive uh, biases that you hold about that nationality. And again, it's it's about awareness. Have I, or or just trying to say I'm I'm neither neither for nor against. I'm just going to try and understand this little individual person, or I'm just going to try and build a new, fresh relationship with this child or this person or this colleague, because you're right, we don't, we, we aren't even aware of the biases we hold. Yeah. Um, I think Another quick example of that is in the work that I've been doing over the last year, I see lots of great teachers that are very well-intentioned and they're really, you know, you know that they love teaching. I'll give you Teacher A, for example. Teacher A is a person that's really into CrossFit, for example. They're a fitness fanatic. Everything they do is about fitness. And then when I observe them as a as a teacher, I see that they have embedded CrossFit and fitness and conditioning exercises in elementary school for 30 to 40% of every PE class, because that's what they believe is best for kids, Mm -hmm. putting pedometers on them, getting them to, to move around, be very aware of the steps you're taking, this and that. And in private, when I have conversations with some students, some of these students, they can't stand it. So then my job is to go and relay that information back to the teacher in a way that does not disempower them. You know, so it's a challenge that I have, you know, because the last thing I want to do is disempower any educator I work with. I want to constantly empower them. But that idea is that I just begin to ask some really important questions and and find certain articles that I think they should read um, to get them reflecting on you know, their own practice and what they feel is most important for kids to learn. And it's not that fitness is not important. I'm not trying to make that point. But again, just being aware of our tendencies and um, certain belief systems that we hold. So that's number two. That was um, uh, mindfulness times two. Now we're moving on to mindfulness times three. Neela is going to share... Uh, something else. No. This was um, something I came across on Twitter, and it was called Stop Counting Down the Days by um, Cloud Education. And um, I've always sort of noticed, uh, you know, Facebook posts and 10 more days till this and 20 more days for this. And and I've done it as well. I've, I've 
been so excited to look forward to something. But more and more, I was bothered by the countdown. And my first reason for being bothered by the countdown is I just felt it was negating the days in between. And I have colleagues and friends and and parents of young toddlers who say, you know, five more sleeps until this. And, and I really believe that it's, it's, it's normal and natural to look forward to something in your life that you believe will create so much joy and delight. But in reading this article, Stop Counting Down the Days, as, as an educator, um, they gave the view of what it means to people when you say that. So when you count down, if you do it in front of your students, um, some students are not so excited for the summer, and, and we don't know what their summers hold. It might be that um, they have to work in the family business or that they're going to be sent to academy, or we've had kids from international schools who are sent to six to eight week English camps in another country. And when you listen to what they say, when they come back the following year is they didn't really enjoy their summers. So one point to be aware of is when you're counting down you might reflect and think, what does this mean to somebody else? And I recently had someone say it to me, and I thought, wow, you're counting down. You just can't wait to get away from this place and and the relationships that you have here, especially international teaching. Andy and I are preparing for a major move. We are no longer going to return to Nanjing, our home here. This chapter is coming to a close. So I'm really trying to be present with the relationships and finish the school year on um, a note of joy instead of one that is just negating the days. Because school is not a place to to survive every day. It, it, it should be... The, the what are the little opportunities in your day that you're going to connect with other people? What are the things in your day that you feel are the most important? And just as the, the previous story by Tara Brock, we don't know what's going on for other people. We don't know what their future holds. And we don't, when you count down and you put so much um, so much pressure for the summer to be ultimate bliss. And when it's not, how disappointed you're going to be. So don't negate your days by counting down. And the, the article just brought to light how I absolutely agree that wake up every day with your intention to find those little moments throughout your day that you can embrace and 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 this is our lives these are our lives mm -hmm. every day yeah and one of the things too that article mentioned was the idea that as teachers and not that you're sitting there saying oh kids only 11 more days until the summer vacation or whatever 
But that idea that if the kids get a sense that you're just counting down the days and you can't wait to get out of there, that is sending them at a subconscious, well, not even a subconscious level. They're, they're smart kids, right? They will infer or imply that you can't wait to get away from them. Mm. You know, so that's another thing the article went into is like the kids' own thoughts and feelings. You got kids and, and, uh, you know, if, you're listening if you're an American educator, kids going back to poverty, living in poverty, where suddenly the last place they need to be is at home because it's highly dysfunctional. They have no food, whereas at school they have the, the lunches provided for them. So I think that idea of embracing um, the days until summer vacation starts, and it's it's not negating the importance of, of having time away from school and teaching and enjoying your own private time. Not at all. But stop counting down the days. Don't do it. And I, I think that's a nice way to conclude. Yes. Savor, savor the days. Yes. And um, for our fourth and final point for mindfulness. So this is, I've been having some really good conversations with a friend of mine, Mike Kuzala. Uh, he's the author of The Kinesthetic Classroom. Uh, Mike and I have really gotten to know one another over the last several months. Uh, we did a two podcasts together, one uh, Run Your Life podcast, my own podcast. Um, as well, we were, Mike and I were presenting in the Philippines together, and Jorge Rodriguez uh, had us do a Voxer podcast, um, and, you know, we shared our thoughts in Jorge's uh, Voxer podcast about uh, the self-actualized teacher. So I have worked really hard over the last several years to try to embed more meditation into my life, and I've gone in spurts, just like yoga, right? I've gone in spurts with it, and I've tried it, and I set the timer for seven minutes when I'm trying to meditate, and it feels like an eternity, and I'm sitting there and my knees are sore from sitting cross-legged. And I'm like, I can't wait for the seven minutes to be over. And, you know, it's just such a wrong attitude to bring to trying to practice authentic meditation in our lives. But it's a learning process, right? So I'm not devaluing my effort, even though I've done seven minutes of meditation. And in my heart, I don't feel I've achieved a thing. It's better than having not tried it, in my opinion. But in the last few months, I've been doing a much better job with it. And Mike, uh, Mike Kazala is really into transcendental transcendental meditation. Um, so I've tried to learn as much as I can about it. And there is a certain certain ways that you have to roll out that type of med- meditation. Um, and what I've found is that if you are new to meditation, like I am still, it's okay to tinker and to try different ideas. But at the, you know, I guess the bare essence of it all is that at minimum, you're just sitting quietly. And then you're trying to just quiet the mind. So in moving forward from there, over the last couple of weeks, I've really kind of been able to, to, find my own ways that are working. So I'm going to share one way right now. 
And uh, the one way that uh, has been really working with me is we're spending 15 minutes a day, uh, 15 minutes twice a day. So we're doing two 15-minute sessions, Neela and I. Sometimes 20. Sometimes yeah. she tries yeah. to trick me and she sets the stopwatch for 20, <laughs> which pisses me off because I, I'm feeling as though it's dragging on a little bit in the 18th minute. But Always. in the end, yeah. time goes by very quickly when you're in that flow state of meditation. So, uh, and this is just something I'm sharing with you. It might not work with you, but it, it definitely started to work with me. So what I do to calm myself down, you know, there's the, the metaphor, the best metaphor that I've come across recently with meditation is that if you're in a little boat in the middle of the ocean and you're in a, in this, you know, caught in the middle of a swale of 40 foot waves it's going to be noisy and there's lots, lots of action. Everything around you is movement and, you know, just, just these big massive waves, waves. So that is settling into mindfulness the first couple of minutes. You've got, you've got thoughts that are racing through your head. It's noisy. You've got those 40, 50 foot swales flowing through your thoughts. But if you bring yourself down, you know, 200 meters below the surface, everything is still and quiet. So you still have that activity way above at the top. But down below, you have this silence, very little movement. And that metaphor really, really helped me to begin to settle my mind. So now what I do is I, I feel this, this, um, energy and all of these thoughts racing around, but I imagine myself just sinking deeper and deeper down into the ocean, into this, into, uh, into this still and quiet place. And it really does work to, A, allow the surface to still be noisy, but you let it go knowing that it, it exists and it's noisy. You let it go, but deep down, you're in this still place. And B, it gives you those glimpses into that quiet time that you can experience in your mind. And I've had moments, it might, it seems like minutes on end, it might only be a minute or two, where I'm completely in the zone of meditation and finding that quiet place. And it's not sleep. It's definitely not sleep. It's kind of this, it's being alert in this state of quiet and it's a really amazing thing so i'm excited to continue to um, practice meditation and um, try to get myself back to that state and one session may be better than another but i guess my advice would be start someplace try something that works with you find a metaphor that works for you but the importance of really devoting yourself at least once a day to sitting quietly wherever it is you want to sit and um, just settling your mind down. Beautiful. Yes, it is practice. Um, I think letting go of, of achieving something all the time, it's going to be different every day. Um, shifts in energy, um, mental clarity. It's, it's, again, going to be different every day and it's just getting used to spending that time sitting or yeah. wherever it is that you're, you know, you can try mindful walking You can take a break at lunch and just focus on one thing, mindful eating and just 
I like the I like what Tim Ferriss said when he said, you know, he he sets his timer for twenty one minutes because it takes him one minute just to get to settled. Stop being an idiot, as he but says. But that's what he <laughs> says. Yeah, and and you get settled in, and he said some days he just has one minute of clarity or calm out of his twenty one minutes, and he finds that is a success. Um, so I'm really enjoying our practice. We've been, we wake up at, uh, 4.30 AM and, um, we, we also, coffee. we also go to bed at 8.30 PM, 9 PM at the latest. So, so at least that gives you an idea. And we wake up, we have, um, coffee or tea together, and then we have a room on the second floor and that's where we, we both come into our meditation practice and I've really been enjoying it. Just having uh, my partner, my life coach, Annie Vasley, with me and uh, setting the alarm is just a nice way to begin the day. Yeah. So there it is. Mindfulness times four. It's our first one. I hope we do many more. But um, to recap, uh, we're going to put everything in the show notes. But Neela shared the story of Tara Brock and um, that amazing story. It'll be in the show notes. I shared the story of Vernon Myers and uncovering biases. Uh, Neela shared the story of uh, stop, stop counting, counting down, down days. the days. Yeah. And I finished off with that metaphor of mindfulness, uh, which is, uh, you know, taking that little submarine down into the deep sea of quiet. So thank you very much. I hope that you have found some value in this. Um, sorry about the beeps in the background, the email coming in. Um, but uh, enjoy your week. And uh, look forward to the rest of the school year and definitely do not count down the days. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Vassily. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.